Well, welcome everybody to this session. I am so excited that you are back with us because you're going to get to meet the Whitney Fleming. And <laughs> I know that so many of you already know her and I want to give her a little bit of an intro and, um, we are going to be talking about how we often can get stuck in performance-based parenting, a topic that we all need a lot of help with, and how we can break free. So Whitney is here to talk with us about that today. And she is a writer, an author, a storyteller, and co-owner of the blog, parenting teens and tweens. She is the voice behind the popular social media account, Whitney Fleming Writes, where she is known for her vulnerable, relatable, and humorous posts about raising her three teenage mm -hmm. daughters. Whitney has recently released her Amazon best-selling book, Loving Hard When They're Hard to Love. Oh my gosh, I could start like five <laughs> It is a collection of 55 of her most compelling essays on what it is like to raise teens in today's complex world. And her writing has been featured all over the place mm -hmm. in print, online media, where she brings an authentic and realistic voice to topics such as marriage, midlife, parenting, and mental health. And this I love, Whitney. She believes sharing stories is the most powerful way to change the world for the better. Oh. So welcome, Whitney. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you here. And you're talking about a really important topic today that we, you know, we need help with. And we're going to be mm -hmm. talking about performance-based parenting and the, yep. parent, uh, the pressures that we so often can face. Mm -hmm. Um Let's just launch in because you wrote a post that you put on Facebook and it went viral and it mm -hmm. blew up and it was about this topic. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it blew up? Why do you think it, you know, was so popular? I'm always a little surprised at what goes viral. Um, you know, I never know what what's going to hit a nerve, but this one really did. And And to be honest, I wrote it several, several years ago, and I kind of update it each year, I wrote this when my twin daughters were in, going into ninth grade. And now they just are going into their first year of college. So this is like how, how prevalent this, this topic is. And when I say performance based parenting, what I'm really talking about is achievement based parenting. And that's like when we, you know, really focus on what our kids are achieving as opposed to who they are today. And I think it really resonates. And, and there's so many things that are external pressures that are impacting this, whether it's um, college admissions, whether it's club sports, whether it's AP classes or IB or whatever, you know, rigorous course loads you can take, whether it's um, whose kid is curing cancer in their basement or starting a, you know, some sort of food drive for, you know, indigenous people or like everybody has doing something that's so valuable, but we're losing sight of the why they're doing it and just focused on the achievement and to put it on a piece of paper. And I think parents are I know I felt exhausted by it, you know, because I had three kids roughly the same age and I was trying to get them to all the places and 
in eighth grade, I was already worried about where they were going to college and what sports team they were playing on. And should my daughter play in the national symphony? And, you know, as opposed to just saying, you know, who they are today is pretty awesome. And, you know, I think we need to um, get back to that and, and, and dialing everything back a few notches. So, you know, we can really focus on our kids' mental health and developing who they are today. And that's the best guarantee that they will be healthy and productive 10, 20, 30 years from now. Uh, I, I so agree. And yet, why do you think it's so hard for us? There's a lot of reasons. I've thought a lot about this. And really, um, you know, my whole thing about why I love parenting teams is really about what I've learned about myself. They mm -hmm. have highlighted all of my vulnerabilities, all of my weaknesses, all of my triggers. And I've learned so much about myself from parenting my teens. And, and let's be honest, like parenting is the most personal thing that you will ever do your entire life. And the line often gets blurred on, you know, who you are as a person and who you are as a parent. And we start thinking that every decision and every choice and every achievement and every failure that our teens do is a reflection on us and, you know, how other people will think about us and, you know, what, you know, what their opinions are of our kids is what they are of us. And we can't separate that too. And, and it really hurts our kids because then they can't become who they were meant to be. And so I had to really dig deep and, and I realized that it doesn't matter how many AP classes my kids take, you know, or not like that's not who I am as a person is not who my kids achievements are. And between social media and, um, you know, college admissions and all these things that are putting pressure on our kids today, you know, I think that's what causes us to get a little crazy and we lose sight of what we're really should be focusing on with our kids and opposed we start thinking about what we can highlight about our kids and that's that's I think part of the problem at least yeah. that was part of my problem you yeah. know is it it's tough it's it really is tough. tough I can't help but wonder how much of social media not you know we're always blaming social media uh, but it does play a role and there's really good things about it mm -hmm. but I wonder if we didn't have the pictures of our kids, mm -hmm. if that lesson it, I can't help but wonder because I oh. talk to so many moms that are like, I don't even know if my kid is going to graduate from high school, if they're going to make it. Right. And I'm right. looking at all these pictures of these right. kids, you know, their kids and they're going to this college and that college. And I'm just over here feeling like the biggest failure right. ever. A hundred, a hundred percent. And I mean, and, and you do it, it's it's even subconscious. And I always tell a story of like my husband who is kind of like a corporate executive. And he, um, when my daughter was in seventh grade, uh, she wanted to get her hair dyed. And she loved, she's a, she's a creative artsy kind of girl. And my husband wasn't too sure, but I said, oh, they're just gonna do the ends. And so we took her and she, we went to Starbucks, uh, my other daughter and I went to Starbucks. And when I came back, her whole hair was like 
all foiled and everything. It was not going to just be the end. And she came out with this turquoise blue hair and it was spring break. And we go to the the downtown Chicago and we run into like everybody my husband knows. And Mm -hmm. with my daughter with this bright blue hair, but it was amazing because you could see on her face that how happy she was. And, and my husband at first, who was really like, that's blue, you know, but he learned to embrace it. And he, he real he said in that moment, it was a big learning experience for him about that, you know, a lot of people thought he was the cool dad for letting him, for letting her do that. He's like, well, I didn't let her do it. It was her choice. Right. And you have to start separating that out for for your kids and you know so even when it's you're right it's not always social media it's it is literally saying who my kid is like letting my my kid be who they are is the most profound expression of love that we can give them because we're saying I love you no matter what whether you have blue hair or not and so So we can take, I think this has been going on for years. I think social media just exasperates it. And, you know, it just takes a really, you have to really dig deep to realize that, you know, you are not all, we can only guide our kids. We are, they are not a reflection always of us. And their successes do not mean we're successful and their failures don't always mean we're a failure. I think we need to have that hanging you know, that that needs to be like a plaque because, you know, it's hard to believe that. I really think, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, but my kids are older now from when I started Moms of Tweens and Teens. And so are yours from when you started out. Mm -hmm. And I think that that it's like, I just want to bring comfort to the moms that are listening because it is so true. And in fact, and I want you to speak to this, but in my experience, the more that I was trying to fit my poor oldest, mostly, you know, is doing it to her, where I was trying to fit her into this mold of who I thought that she needed to be, mm-hmm. the, the more they rebelled, the more that yes. it is saying negatively. And yep. it was like, the more it hurts our relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And right. yeah. And, okay. and so in your experience, how is this affecting our kids when we do this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it doesn't take a lot to figure out that teens today are struggling, right? Like what I see the most is they are burnt out. They are burnt out from being on the hamster wheel. Um, They are burnt out from having to take so many AP classes. And, you know, we don't let them do anything just because it's fun. And, And I started getting sucked into that as well. So for example, my daughter plays the cello And then she started showing that she had an aptitude for it. And, you know, my daughter, um, you know, she has a very mild case of cerebral palsy because she was a twin and, and, and she had some problems when, you know, no problems of her own, but just in the, when she was born, she went through something and she was born with cerebral palsy. And this was the first thing she was ever good at. And so immediately, instead of, celebrating that she was good at it I was like oh do we need to look into getting her into a better cello class or a better this or a better that instead of just saying oh my gosh she's finally found something that she loves and she's finding the people that love her back and celebrating that I automatically started thinking oh you know I was already 10 years into thinking what she could do with this as opposed to celebrating where she was with it right now 
And that was like a huge turning point, you know, for me realizing like, you know, the natural instinct for us is to want to just push in. We say things like you have to challenge yourself and you have to do this and you have to do that as opposed to saying, hey, you found something you were good at and you should enjoy it in whatever way makes you happy. And because that's, you know, what a hobby truly is. It doesn't have to be a line on a resume and it doesn't have to be, you know, I write because I enjoy it, right? I, I, I was able to make a career out of it you know, that's what playing the cello is for my daughter. She's not going to make a career out of it. She doesn't want to be a music major, but she wants to continue playing in the school orchestra at her college. That's great. But we miss that somewhere when we see that our kid might be good at something or we want them to be good at something because we were good at it or we just want to feel good about the money we're spending on it. You know, there's so many factors. Yeah. Gosh, that is so good. I got like chills when you were talking, uh-huh. about, you know, her, her just having the joy in, mm-hmm. you know, in playing and right. versus, you know, you just have to be better, be better, push, right. push, push. Right. Right. It, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, it's, um, you know, when I had a, a daughter who um, she's now running in college and the great thing about it is that you know, she's in control of her destiny. Um, She either runs fast and gets included to go to a meet or she might not run as fast and she doesn't. Like there's no, nothing I can really do, you know, to help her with that. It's whatever work ethic she wants to put into it and she's accountable. And that was a very liberating thing that I think a lot of parents whose kids are athletes don't necessarily get to embrace because it's often about what the coach thinks of you. Or what the coach sees in you, which what they value might be different in one kid as opposed to another, or there's always the politics. And, you know, I always say like club sports, as much as my kids have participated in them, is really like the demise of so many parents, because you're paying for something, it's all this travel, and you lose sight that sports are supposed to be fun. And they're supposed to be enjoyable and you're supposed to learn these lessons and instead if you're on the sidelines everybody's often pretty crabby you know because maybe your kid isn't playing or you've given up your weekend or you have to fundraise and so you know I think we just sometimes need to rethink um you know how what what we think our kids are getting out of this stuff because that's the most important thing so for example my daughter played club soccer and she was struggling on a team that was extremely athletic and doing great. And, she, and she's a great soccer player, but she wasn't the best on this team. So she wasn't getting a lot of playing time and she was miserable. So when tryouts came, we decided to move her back to a different club that was close to where we lived. It wasn't as competitive. And we were worried like, oh, will she make her high school team now? Like we we're already worried about stuff that didn't matter. Well, it ended up that the coach saw something in her and asked her to coach younger girls. And to this day, like three years later, she said that was the single best thing that has come out of her playing the sport is the fact that she now gets to coach these younger girls and have an impact. And, and she wants to be an educator. So it, it ended up being a resume builder. So you just, you know, if we would have kept her at this other club because we thought she needed to be at the best club per se, she would have missed out on that opportunity. So it's, it's interesting. 
What a great example. He saw something in her. And, you know, you chose a different path. And then she was able to just tap into, you know, what she really loved. That was the best moment, she said. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you put it. it. Yeah. It's what she's writing her college essay on. It's, um, it was a literally a transforming, you know, moment in her young life. And, you know, if we would have thought differently, you know, she would have missed it. And we would have missed it, her seeing it and, and missed watching these girls who look up to her, like literally and figuratively, and seeing the impact that she's had on them. It's, it's gives me chills. And we almost missed it because we were more worried about her being on the best soccer club. And so it it was interesting. Yeah. Wow. What a great story. Um, So give us some tangible steps of how we can break free when we're falling into this, this trap, this pitch. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the first thing we have to do is, um, you know, look at our, ourself. I always say you have to dig deep and work on yourself. And if you're not feeling good about yourself, you're going to get stuck in a trap of wanting to get validation from what your kid is doing. So, you know, and that's hard. Like, I mean, I, I go through it all the time, even to this day, sometimes like when my daughter made a bad choice her senior year, I was kind of like felt icky about it and a little embarrassed. And at the end of the day, it was really just a dumb choice. It's exactly what she should be doing you know, at 17 years of age, you know, like she, she did something stupid, you know, she knew it was wrong. She apologized for it. She learned from it. Right. That's exactly what she should be doing as an adult. My job is to help her through that, not to get sucked into it and feel embarrassed by it. And so working on yourself, I think is like the biggest thing that you can do to get through these teenage years. Um, you know, and I've, I've had to do that quite, quite a bit, but I I would also say that you really have to look at who your kid is now and not be so worried about who they're going to be in 10 years. So don't get sucked in to, um, you know, for example, like, uh, my daughter wanted to take an AP calc class because so she could get into these competitive colleges, but she really doesn't like math. And she's, she's okay at it, but she's not great at it. And so again, it was my overachieving husband who said, if a college won't take you because you didn't take AP Calc, and you're not going to be a math student, then it's probably not the right college for you. And it ended up freeing up all that time. Yeah, it it ended up freeing all this time up her senior year where she joined marching band, and she was in a literary club and did all these things that really um, fulfilled her as a person and made her, I think, more, um, more ready to actually go to college. And the third, I would just say is, you know, something because I'm a control freak, um, and I have anxiety. So I often portray that into wanting to control my kids. Um, but it's to stop micromanaging them and let them fail. And, you know, it's one thing to help your kids, you know, um, do a load of laundry or guide them in their schedule or something like that. But sometimes we just have to let them figure it out on their own. And, you know, my daughter this year decided not to take um, a a difficult science class. She decided to take um, a class that was a little easier for her. 
And now she regrets it a little bit. She's like, it's kind of boring. I kind of wish I took the the other science that I was more interested in, even though it was like a more advanced class. And, you know, I kind of mentioned that to her, but she just in one ear and out the other. But now she figured out on her own. So when she chooses her classes next year for college, when I maybe don't get as much input, hopefully she'll remember this. So I think we have to stop micromanaging our kids and kind of let them figure out on their own and be willing to take risks, um, you know, because I know, you know, my career now is basically on a platform, Facebook or Instagram, that wasn't even around when I was in college, right? Like my whole career is on something that wasn't even around. Like we can't be so scared that our kids' whole lives are going to be ruined because they didn't take an AP class or they weren't on the best soccer team or, you know, you just never know where their path is going to take them. And so if we get out of their way, beautiful things can can happen. And But we have to feel that our our love for them and our support for them is going to be what's going to get them through, not a class or a club or a sport. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, Whitney. <laughs> oh yeah. So helpful. Such good things that we need to remember. Um, you know, dig deep, work on yourself and focus on, you know, where the, where they are now rather than, mm-hmm you know, where we want them to be, because we think, you know, we think Mm -hmm. that in order to be successful, it has to look a certain way. And yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's so funny. And we lose sight of it. Because, you know, I'm sure you didn't set out to be a blogger, like, or, or start a support club for teens and tweet, you know what I mean? Like, you. oh, yeah, totally. No. (laughs) Right, right, right. And so we've, but you're incredibly successful at it. And, you know, so we forget that, like, our our job is to help, like, just support our kids to figure out where they want to be, not, you know, just say this is, you know, this is what you have to be, you know, oh, you want to be this at 18. You know, I wanted to be in politics. And now I don't want you know, anything to do with it, you know, so, (laughs) and I, I did it and my parents supported me, but then, you know, where I am now as compared to when I was 22 is I'm a completely different person. And I think it's because my parents, you know, who didn't go to college, my dad was a high school dropout. So, you know, it's the perspective is so, and that's what I, I always tell my kids, like my dad was a high school dropout, had, you know, three kids and we all, you know, went to college and, you know, that's, it doesn't matter, you know, about who your parents are and and what they do. It's just about them supporting you through your growth. And once you kind of can accept that, then I feel like it just transforms everything. And then you can have the relationship you want with your kids as opposed to the one you think you should have. Oh, yeah. Have a relationship with your kids. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, that's all I ever wanted, but I sure got in my way most of the time. <laughs> so. And now you're writing, and every <laughs> I just want you to look, you know, find your book that you know love, love hard, and tell <laughs> them to find that. You also have a freebie for them, so tell them about that. And I, 
I have a couple of um, things I've written in the past um, that I'm putting all in one place, kind of like I did my, my book, which was 55 of my favorite essays. These are actually not in that book, um, but they're all a little bit about trying to find yourself during these kind of high school years, um, how you can get away from the performance-based parenting and, you know, what way to look at your kids a little differently and the path that they're going on. So I put these into a short, what I'm calling like a little mini ebook. And I'd love to give that out to, to free to whoever might want to take a read through them. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Thank you. Great. And then loving hard when they're hard to love. So make sure to check that out too. And we'll put a link for them to check out as well. Well, thank you, Whitney, so much for being with us. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye.